Happy Thursday afternoon. It's 4.38, almost 4.39 here on this June the 17th. And today did mark the final day of the current Legislative Assembly session. So to talk about some of the issues that have been discussed over the past number of months, pleased to welcome back to the program now Kamloops South MLA Todd Stone. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks so much for the time, as always. Now, before we get to what's going on in the legislature, I just wanted to talk about the B.C. Liberal leadership race because, well, yesterday you made an official endorsement. As of right now, there's just two names officially in the running to be the B.C. Liberal leader. Um, we know at least two more are expected to throw their name in the ring, but last night, as I mentioned, you officially endorsed Kevin Falcon for leadership of the party. So... Why do you think Kevin is the guy to help get the BC Liberals back on track? Well, yeah, it was a big decision. And, and frankly, let me just say this. I think there will be probably six people in the race, and uh, three, three of whom are caucus colleagues of mine uh, and three uh, who are, are external to caucus. Uh, we're going to have an incredibly diverse slate of candidates to choose from, each uh, you know, strong in their, own, in their own way. And so I'm really excited about the overall process uh, because of the people that are stepping up and, and throwing their hat in the ring. Uh, why Kevin Falcon? Look, uh, there's three things that uh, that I'm looking for in uh, in a leader. One is uh, a, a set of values that are consistent with uh, with my own. Uh, Kevin is a, a girl dad like I am. He um, uh, he uh, when you when you see him with his daughters and uh, and, and hear him talk about uh, you know what he what 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 he wants for for their future and the future of children in this province, uh, you realize that um, uh, you know his priorities really start uh, at home and and uh, he's getting into this for all the right reasons. Secondly, uh, he's a big, bold thinker. Uh, he, uh, uh, he's someone who is not going to shy away from uh, uh, you know, putting, uh, putting some big plans on, on a table for, for child care and housing affordability and, and mental health and addiction, uh, a, a serious climate, plan, uh, climate uh, change plan and so forth. And last but not least, he's tested. He's experienced, and uh, he's got what it takes to be ready on day one to rebuild the party uh, and to take the fight to the NDP and ultimately position this party uh, uh, to win the next election. So I, when I put all three of those things together, uh, for me, uh, the right choice is, uh, is Kevin Falcon. I'm very proud to support him. One of the things that Kevin has said he would do if he were to win the leadership bid is that he will try to kind of rebrand the party, starting with changing the name from the BC Liberals to something else. I don't know what that would be at this point. Obviously, we have to wait to see if he actually wins the leadership before really getting too concerned about what that would be. But do you support kind of a, a rebranding of the BC Liberals? Do you think that that would be an important step in, in trying to kind of rebound after what was, a, I think, a bit of a disappointing election for your party? Well, it, it wasn't a disappointing election for the party. It was a devastating election for the party, but it was also a, a serious wake-up call. Uh, British Columbians said to us uh, loud and clear uh, that uh, our party uh, needs to take a, a long, hard look at, at what we stand for, what our values are, uh, and, uh, and, and, and take a, a long, hard look at the priorities that, uh, that we, we, we push front and center. Uh, and so I think in terms of a rebrand, yes, we do need to, uh, to do that, but it can't just be a name change. It can't just be a, you know, a, uh, a, a new logo on, on the letterhead. Uh, it, 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 all of that needs to be accompanied with, with real change in terms of uh, uh, what we actually put forward. And, and uh, you know, I think that's part of what attracts me to, uh, to Kevin, uh, Kevin Falcon's uh, vision is 
he, he understands the challenges that British Columbians are facing and, uh, and is prepared to put, uh, put the ideas and, uh, and solutions on the table to address those challenges. I think if we do that, uh, you know, have that honest assessment uh, of, of where we are as a party and where we need to get to and uh, couple that with, uh, with uh, a, new, a new name. Uh, again, we have to have that discussion with party members. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's, there's, a, there's a wide range of, of, of perspectives on this. But I, I personally support changing the name. Uh, if we do all of that together, uh, coupled with uh, uh, having a, a strong, tested, uh, you know, ready on day one uh, leader in Kevin Falcon, I, I think uh, uh, we're going to take the fight to the NDP and, and uh, we've got a great shot at winning the next election. Well, I'm looking forward to this leadership race getting into full swing. I don't think we're quite there yet. And then uh, kind of seeing how it all plays out. So uh, thanks for, for your speaking to that and why you are supporting Kevin. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for things to really get into high gear when it comes to the BC Liberal leadership race. All right. I wanted to talk about some of the issues that are being discussed within the legislature here over the last little while. And I think one of the main things that maybe we don't talk a lot about here in the interior, but it has been getting a whole lot of buzz across the province, and that is the issue of cruise ships right now. Many in the tourism industry sounding the alarm bells here because of the the rules that are currently in place, right? That American cruise liners can bypass Canada um, and and not have to make any stops at Canadian ports, something that has been in a a longstanding agreement between, uh, you know, Canada and the U.S. when making trips, say, up to Alaska. They have to stop in Victoria or Vancouver or something along those lines, but now they're not going to have to do that based on what's going on with the pandemic and we know that the u.s is looking to or is trying to make that a permanent piece moving forward where are we at here because i i hear the issue being brought up a lot and a lot of discussion from the opposition about it but i don't hear too much concern coming from the government from the ndp at this point in time are, are you hearing any concern or is horgan even answering questions on this right now well, I think you've nailed it on the head. We're 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 not uh, hearing the the level of concern and the sense of urgency from the government on on the cruise ship file either. And by the way, uh, the, the cruise ship uh, sector uh, provides uh, a, a, a almost uh, a three billion dollars of, of economic uh, opportunity to the province of British Columbia every single year. Uh, it's almost twenty thousand jobs, and these are not just jobs in the Lower Mainland. So, sure, there are. Uh, the ships, the obvious, you know, uh, jobs on, on the ships and and so forth. Uh, when you see them come into uh, into port in Vancouver, Victoria, Prince Rupert, but there is a massive supply chain uh, that goes uh, that goes into provisioning these ships. Uh, you know, beef from uh, from the Caribou in British Columbia, uh, vegetables uh, from the Fraser Valley, uh, linens from uh, from on Vancouver Island. I mean, you go through the list, um, and and then uh, you you look at the tourism, the spinoff tourism opportunities. People tip. Typically, uh, from uh, whether they're from Japan or the United States, they fly in um, often a, a week in advance of boarding their cruise ship in Vancouver. And what do they do? They jump on the Rocky Mountaineer and they and they take it and they stop mm-hmm. in Camloops and they stay overnight in Camloops and they spend money in Camloops uh, on their way to, to Banff. Uh, or they go on a bus tour, uh, or they go on a wine tour in the Okanagan. So this industry is is much more than just the the, the immediate, in your face, direct impact in in Vancouver. It it has tentacles across the whole province. So we we've been all over the government on this, and and our our uh, our our view uh, is uh, is that uh, the premier should have been all over this file uh, last 
October when he was first contacted by the Alaskan delegation that were pleading with the BC government and the Canadian government to allow what are called technical stops where the ships would be able to come into to port in British Columbia. No passengers would get on and off, but they would they would come into port, drop anchor, refuel, load up provisions, and, and then continue on their way uh, from Seattle up to uh, the Alaska. Um, U.S. legislation required those stops mm-hmm. in, in Canadian waters. Uh, the issue was, uh, the Alaskans said, uh, as long as it was last October, that if we can't do these technical stops, we're going to fight for our industry, and we're just going to have to bypass your ports. Uh, John Horgan referred to this as a blip. He said the Americans would never pass the legislation. Well, guess what? John Horgan's done something that very few in, in the United States have been able to do. He, he unified Democrats and Republicans, and, and they voted unanimously in the U- U.S. Senate, almost unanimously in the House of Representatives, and then the, the president signed the legislation. So ships don't have to stop in BC ports uh, today. It's a it's technically a temporary measure, but the worry now is that uh, the the there's a number of senators in the U.S. that want to make it permanent. So we're sitting here saying, uh, Mr. Premier, uh, you're, you've been asleep at the switch here. Uh, why were you not all over this, um, advocating uh, to the nth degree back in October and and every day since? Uh, and and instead he um, you know all he did was finger point and you know blame jurisdictional issues and and say that uh, you know none of the stuff that's come to pass would ever happen and so forth and guess what two weeks from now we're going to have the first uh, cruise ships uh, from Seattle are going to are for the first time in in decades are going to be steaming up the uh, Pacific coast and they're not going to stop in Vancouver Victoria or Prince Rupert um, the entire cruise season for this year is lost in British Columbia. Uh, and now we're all focused on next year. If uh, the government doesn't get uh, get their head wrapped around this and quickly, uh, we potentially could see this uh, this U.S. legislation change permanently and uh, the cruise ship sector to, you know, in, in a dire, dire place in British Columbia uh, next year as well. Uh, and, of course, that's thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of economic impact. So a, a big, big crisis that could have been averted uh, if John Horgan had, a, had shown any any um, sense of urgency on this uh, as far back as mm-hmm. October of last year. I know one of the things that uh, Premier Horgan was bringing forward on this was saying that, you know, why would uh, cruise industry, why would they want to bypass uh, Canadian cities, right? Victoria, Vancouver, they're great places to visit. They're a, a part of the attraction of taking an Alaskan cruise. So I, I'm not too worried is kind of the sentiment that I was getting from him. But then someone to me made a point not too long ago, well, if you can take a cruise, if you're American and can take a cruise ship from Alaska to Seattle and you don't need a passport, then that actually is pretty advantageous potentially to American cruise liners, right? Not having to force people to, to need uh, a passport in order to take these cruises, which actually was a point I never really thought of. And, and now that actually does lead me to believe that maybe there is a, a bigger issue at play than just, hey, these are great destinations. They're going to want to do it. But if it's going to save them a bunch of money and potentially bring on more passengers, that's that that doesn't bode well for Canada, does it? It, it doesn't. And 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 look, I, am am I of the view that the entire cruise ship sector in British Columbia is gone forever? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's 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 a that would be a ridiculous overstatement. But yeah. what I what I am saying is, if the Americans make this uh, this legislation permanent, that uh, what that does is it basically removes a requirement for uh for cruise ships to stop in bc waters and it, it replaces that requirement with a basically a voluntary decision that the cruise ship lines can make and yes 
some of these cruise ship lines are going to are going to continue to have uh, they're going to you know in their schedule they may they may uh, add Vancouver or Victoria uh, to some of their cruises. But even if there is a ten or twenty percent uh, reduction in in the total volume of cruise ship uh, uh, stops in Vancouver, Victoria, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars of lost opportunity uh, for our province and and a heck of a lot of jobs. Um, you're right. The passports uh, not, not requiring passports is is one advantage that the Amer- that, that Alaska has. The other advantage is is that most people that go on these cruises up and up and down the west coast from Seattle to Alaska. Um, the ultimate destination and the main reason they're they're doing it is to is to get to Alaska. Um, the Alaskans charge a lot less in terms of all the port fees and all the you know the costs of actually docking. Um, so it's actually from an economic perspective for the cruise ship uh, uh, lines themselves and uh, a lot of their passengers that would that that have indicated they would they would like to spend you know a bit more time on the at the end of the cruise, which is in Alaska. Um, again, these are all reasons why we we are likely going to see a reduction in in the total volume of of, um, of of cruise ships that actually stop in in BC waters. And I'm not it's not me saying this. This is this is all current information and current commentary uh, from the the cruise ship lines and their associations, uh, even as as current as this morning. Um, so it's a real, it's a, it's a really, really challenging situation mm-hmm. that we've got on our hands, and it it largely could have been avoided if John Horgan had a, signed off on technical stops, which again, from a from a pandemic perspective, wouldn't have put at risk any British Columbian because no one would have been getting on or off the cruise ships. They would have just docked and uh, you know dropped anchor in Vancouver, you know, do the provisioning thing, and and then head on their way. Um, Oh, John Oregon didn't do that, didn't allow that, and uh, and here we are. Uh, changing topics here, uh, Todd, but uh, I wanted to get on to old growth here momentarily because I know Green Party leader Sonia Furstenow had brought forward a petition, more than 30,000 signatures, enhancing protections for old growth forests today. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm sure people are well aware of the ongoing fight that's been taking place at Ferry Creek. And Furstenow had said that this petition that she's presenting here today comes a dozen years after then-opposition MLA John Horgan and six other BC NDP MLAs introduced petitions to protect old growth forests and and raw logging exports. We're talking about 2009, and here we are 12 years later, and it doesn't feel like Horgan has been taking too much uh, action in terms of trying to figure out the situation at Ferry Creek or just old growth forests as a whole. Um, did you see or hear much traction? I mean, today was the last day of the Legislative Assembly, the last day to ask questions, and I, don't, I understand that the Premier actually didn't even sit in on question period this afternoon. How frustrating is this issue right now from the Liberal side of things? Well, first, on the Premier uh, skipping out on question period today, uh, he's got one of the worst attendance records um, uh, of Premiers in in a long time. He used to criticize the heck out of Christy Clark uh, for, uh, you know, any day that she wasn't sitting in her seat uh, during question period, and he misses... Uh, two of the four question periods every week, if not three out of the four. Uh, so, I, you know, let me just put that out there. But in terms of, uh, of uh, you know, force policy and uh, of which uh, old growth uh, logging is a component, uh, the, just a week ago, the province actually released its intentions paper for, um, uh, for you know, as they say, modernizing force policy in British Columbia. Um, you know, I'm, what am I going to do with that? Well, and, and my colleagues, well, we're going to take this intentions paper and we're going to reach out to uh, all stakeholders and, and you know, industry and and uh, and everyone else and and, um, and 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 listen to what the feedback is and uh, the, the a lot of 
the the more prickly aspects of this uh, intentions paper, in, including what to do or not do with with old with, with old growth, is uh, the premier has uh, has has punted down down the field a, a number of years, which uh, kind of feeds into a narrative that we're hearing more and more uh, down here that the premier may not actually uh, be it may not lead the NDP into the next election. We'll we'll see if that if that pans out, but. Um, uh, look, uh, uh, this is uh, this is a, 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 a an area uh, of policy that uh, uh, clearly uh, there's there's going to to, to be some changes uh, coming forward, and um, you know, Ferry Creek is just one example of the clash that uh, that exists in, in our in our forests around the province. Uh, the, the only reason the, the logging has stopped there, by the way, is because the the First Nations in, in mm-hmm. question, whose territory uh, the, uh, the, the the four stands are located within, have asked for a, a two-year moratorium, uh, and, and the government's granted that. So, um, uh, lots lots more uh, to, to come, I'm, I'm sure, on the on the forestry file in the in the months ahead. Uh, Todd, pretty much out of time here, but um, is there anything else that, that was sort of on your uh, agenda here today? I know there was a, a few different talking points, but we don't have a chance to get to all of them. So just any other highlights from from yourself that you wanted to bring forward while I have you? Well, uh, we've talked about electoral boundaries, so they're going to change. Uh, we're quite worried that there's going to be a reduction or there's a potential for a, a, a reduction in the number of, uh, of seats in the interior and the north that'll, that'll, that'll dilute or weaken uh, the voices uh, uh, from communities uh, in and around uh, Kamloops. Uh, so we're, I, I'd encourage people to pay close attention to that issue. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time this session talking about mental health and addiction and, and the need to, for the government to, 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 to get real and, and make a, a, a serious investment uh, uh, there. And, and uh, you know, the, the Premier did increase uh, the budget in his office by 63% over the last number of years, but can't seem to properly fund the, the Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions. And, and last but not least on the jobs front, uh, we're still 61,000 uh, fewer private sector jobs uh, from one year ago uh, today, and, and uh, there's no jobs plan, no private sector jobs plan. So uh, we'll be hammering away at that uh, increasingly in the weeks and months ahead as well. Todd, as always, thank you so much for taking the time. Always appreciate you coming on the show and, you know, a number of different topics here. I know we're on a summer recess here, but I'm sure we'll have lots to discuss in the weeks ahead. So thanks for the time today, and we'll catch up very soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, Jeff. Uh, All the best. All right, there you go. Kamloops South MLA Todd Stone speaking on a number of different topics here today. Cruise ships, uh, the premier not being in question period, uh, electoral boundaries, old growth, and we also touched on the fact that he has officially endorsed Kevin Falcon as uh, for the B.C. Liberal leadership. That... uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that thing gets into full swing. We know that Michael Lee's in there. We know that Kevin Falcon has put his name in the ring. There's a couple other people that are, um, you know, rumored to be going in there. You heard Todd say there's going to probably be at least six people within um, within that race when it does get up and running officially. So looking forward to this. I think it's going to be pretty heated, and uh, I'm looking forward to some of the debates and how things shake out from the BC Liberal Party's perspective. Will a name change be coming? It's possible. We'll see. Looking forward to it.